Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about whether being too hygienic is really making kids sick, a newly discovered coronavirus epidemic that took place 20,000 years ago, and the first ever detection of a black hole gobbling up a neutron star. Let's gobble up some curiosity. COVID has kept everybody killing germs and sanitizing surfaces for well over a year now. But there's an idea out there that says maybe all that cleanliness isn't protecting us, and instead it might be making us sick. That's kind of confusing, which is why it's good news that a team of researchers has just published a study that offers fresh insight into this idea. They say that most of us are getting it very wrong. Here's the down and dirty. We've known for centuries that germs cause disease. It's why we wash our hands. But around the 1980s, researchers started to think that something else was going on. They suspected that more kids were getting asthma because they were growing up in excessively sterile environments that didn't give their immune systems the chance to learn from bacteria, viruses, and other pathogens early in life. They called this idea the hygiene hypothesis. So, is it better to keep the house as clean as possible? Or should kids be exposed to germs for their own good? A lot of people have been convinced that it's the second one. After all, some studies do show that kids who grow up on farms or in houses with a lot of animals running around tend to have a lower chance of developing allergies. In this new study, researchers looked at a lot of papers that have studied different aspects of this debate, and they came to some concrete conclusions. They found that, yes, kids definitely need to be exposed to microbes when they're young. But the microbes that will help them develop healthy immune systems aren't the kind that live in a typical house. Instead, many are found outside in what the authors call the natural green environment. So go out and play. But the researchers also found that when it comes to strengthening the immune system, microbes pale in comparison to the power of vaccines. That's because vaccines don't just teach the body to recognize individual viruses. They actually seem to make the immune system more effective in general. The researchers did find a risk to living in a home that's too clean, but it's not the lack of microbes. It's the cleaning products that get into kids' lungs and make them more susceptible to asthma. Parents have a lot on their plates right now. The research says that worrying about the house being too clean should not be one of them. So go ahead and sanitize that doorknob and wash those hands. Then maybe take a walk to the park for good measure. Okay. Bye. (laughs) Cody just walked off screen. I'm going to the park. (laughs) I'll be right back. Go for time. In 2020, many of us became well acquainted with a particular coronavirus. In that time, you may have learned about other coronaviruses that have been problems in the past, like SARS and MERS. But our problems with these viruses go back a lot farther than that. A new genetic study has revealed traces of a coronavirus epidemic from 20,000 years ago. And this lesson about the past could help us prepare for the future. Humans and coronaviruses have been enemies for a long time, but it's unclear exactly how long. Our knowledge of viruses certainly doesn't go back that far, but there is a record that does. The human genome. 
Just like paleontologists can dig into rock to study the history of the Earth, researchers can study the human genome to discover genetic artifacts from our distant past. Researchers from Queensland University of Technology in Australia dove into our genetic history by examining data from the 1000 Genomes Project. That's a repository of human genetic data voluntarily donated from people all over the world. The researchers were interested in the evolution of genes that interact with coronavirus proteins. Once they identified these genes, they used them to synthesize proteins to see how they interact with coronavirus proteins. As they did this, one thing stood out. The gene variants from East Asian lineages, such as those in China, Japan, Mongolia, Taiwan, and the Koreas. They handled the coronavirus proteins much better than the variants from all other lineages. And the reason for this would have likely been an ancient epidemic. Natural selection during a viral outbreak would have led to the survival of genes that can better fight the virus. And when they dated the specific variant they found, evidence suggested that this coronavirus outbreak swept through the region 20,000 years ago. So, does this mean that people of East Asian descent were better protected during our most recent battle with the coronavirus? Well, the researchers say no. Evidence suggests that socioeconomic factors had a much, much bigger role than genetics during the SARS-CoV-2 pandemic. But understanding the genes that evolved during ancient pandemics could help us predict and prevent future ones, and possibly develop new drugs to fight these viruses. But one thing's for certain. The recent pandemic was the latest battle in a long war with an old foe. Both black holes and neutron stars are pretty extreme. But strangely, before last year, they'd never been seen together as a pair. Scientists came up with all sorts of reasons why that might be. But recently, an international group of scientists reported spotting not one, but two separate instances of a black hole swallowing a neutron star. That means these pairings might not be so rare after all. Here's the thing. Our star is solo, but most stars in the universe come in binary or even trinary systems. Even our closest neighbor in the galaxy, the Centauri system, is a system of three stars. So that would suggest that we should see pairs of neutron stars, pairs of black holes, or one of each. But we've been looking for a black hole neutron star pair for nearly 50 years and have come up empty until now. Neutron stars form when a star nears the end of its life and it explodes into a supernova. Gravity compresses matter left inside to, essentially, neutron soup. Neutron stars are extremely dense. By volume, our sun is about 100 times the size of the Earth. So imagine a star that's around twice as massive as our sun, squished into the size of Manhattan. Black holes are formed when even bigger stars collapse. Because of this extra mass, gravity compresses them even more so tightly that even light can't escape. When these supermassive objects collide, they stretch and squeeze face in phenomena known as gravitational waves. Scientists on Earth can detect this oscillation. These waves are extremely small, smaller than an atom, but their detection was evidence of something really big. 
The proportion of heavier elements like iron, carbon, and oxygen is related to the proportion of neutron star black hole pairs that there are in the universe. And these results led the team to conclude that there must be less of these elements in the universe than they assumed. It also changed our understanding of how stars behave. That's because the number of pairings are also related to the force that stars use to push these materials out into the universe. The team concluded that this force was smaller than previously thought. And that means scientists will have to update their current understanding of star and planet formation. And the discovery has even more implications. Now that scientists have figured out the gravitational wave signature of the black hole neutron star collision, they plan to look back through the detector data to figure out whether there were other instances that they missed. Although this is the first time we've seen a black hole swallow a neutron star, it almost certainly won't be the last star feast we see. Let's recap today's takeaways, starting with the fact that you can wash your hands and clean your house without worrying about giving your kids asthma. Kids do need to be exposed to microbes while they're young, but the specific microbes they need are outside, not inside a dirty house. Cleaning too much might be a problem, but that's more about the use of harsh cleaners that can irritate the lungs. Overall, though, vaccines have a way bigger effect on the immune system than microbes do. Not only do they protect against the specific virus they're designed for, they also seem to strengthen the immune system in general. Not a bad deal. This was news to me. I, like, read up on this when I learned it. I had no idea that vaccines have, like, an overall immune system strengthening effect, not just, like, you get a flu vaccine and then it's only good for that season's flu. It's, like, it actually kind of just makes you better at fighting off invaders into your body in general. I'm, like, so okay with that. Tell your friends that don't like getting vaccines. You're basically getting a free super soldier serum. <laughs> totally. You're literally upgrading yourself. It's like in a video game, if you get like stat points to allocate towards attack or defense, you just like get stat points. And a lot of them are free, <laughs> at least here in the U.S. So just like go get your vaccine stat points. Defense plus three. It's a good time. <laughs> I like to think of it like a security patch on a computer. That's not as exciting. But it's like, you know, sometimes you just have to have those downloads and those upgrades. You got to restart. Like, that's, yes. that's how I think of them. Oh, Windows update. Let's go. Let's restart. See you in 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> We're both on apples. That's the best part. I know. <laughs> Where the updates really do take 20 to 30 minutes. <laughs> they do. And we learned that the COVID-19 pandemic was just the latest battle in a long war with coronaviruses, as scientists found genetic evidence of another coronavirus epidemic from 20,000 years ago. Genetic studies like this could help us predict and prevent future pandemics, so that maybe someday we can win this war for good. And here's a little fun fact. So we mentioned that they dated the gene variant they found to determine when that epidemic happened. You might wonder, how do you date a gene variant? Well, generally, scientists do this by comparing one group's genome with another group that they're related to. For example, let's say group A and B became separated about 10,000 years ago, and they have a gene in common. So if group C, which split from A and B's lineage 13,000 years ago, doesn't have the variant, then we can conclude that the variant evolved after group C split off, but before group B did. So in this case, that would be sometime between 10,000 and 13,000 years ago. And in the case of this ancient coronavirus, they found that the gene variant evolved sometime around 20,000 years ago. 
And that's how they do it. That's how you age a gene. Math, am I right? You are correct. Cool. It's about time. <laughs> and we also learned that we've detected collisions between two black holes and collisions between two neutron stars. But that's old hat. We had never detected a black hole swallowing a neutron star until now. A team of scientists detected not one, but two separate instances of this happening. And that suggests that they're more common than we thought. I mean, after all, the universe is a pretty big place. Yeah. And you want to know what else is pretty massive? The size of the research team on this paper. My goodness. It was a collaboration of over 1,300 scientists representing 18 different countries. And Cody, I just want you to look at the first four pages of this study. Just like click on this link. Okay, so Ashley sent me a link. I'm guessing the first four pages will just be authors. Let's find out. It's loading. It's a riveting audio. (laughs) So many names. Oh, man. The best thing is they all have, um, what is it, the clickable footnote links next to their names. So there's all these names and numbers And you can click on one of them to jump to the bottom. Oh, boy. And yeah, each one of those footnotes says what facility they come from, what university or research lab. Yeah, there's more than 284 organizations. And uh, that's so many people. Wow. It's a 24-page document. And the first seven pages fully are just the names of the people that worked on it. That's phenomenal. Yeah. Oh, I love it so much. That's great. (laughs) And of course, if you want to see what it looks like, find the link to the PDF in the show notes. Beautiful, beautiful show notes. Today's writers were Grant Curran, Cameron Duke, and Brianna Brownell. Our managing editor is Ashley Hamer. Our producer and audio editor is Cody Goff. Clean your house now that you have no excuses, but you can do it while you join us again tomorrow and learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious. Stay curious.